The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Hey there, folks. This is Kristen Williams with another Trans Advocate podcast. And today we have the regular pod crew plus a guest podcaster. Yeah, we got Robin Mack. And Alexis. And our guest, Megan Smith from Spectrum South. Hey, Megan from Spectrum. This is sort of becoming a regular. This is, this yes, is twice, this is, so no one else yes. is twice. So they brought me back. I guess I did okay the first time. So, um, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good? I don't know. How are you doing? I think I'm doing great. I'm alive. I, I'm, st- I'm still working on it. Okay. It's kind of, you know, a work in progress today. Okay. All right. So, uh, before we get really rolling or anything, I want to say A... Thank you to our Patreons, uh, pa- patrons, is it patrons or Patreons to speak of people who support your show through the patron? Maybe it's what they declare. I've heard, oh. I've heard, I've heard, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You're welcome. Yeah, this is You're why, this is why we have the safety good. track. <laughs> safety track. I did that too. Yeah, they're, they're patrons that actually patronize us via Patreon. Okay, there, yeah. there we go. We'll, we'll run with and that. I'm not going to so, repeat that one. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for supporting us. Um, and I want to remind people that the Texas primaries are coming up. Um, the runoffs will be on May 22nd. You have to be registered to vote by April 23rd. And... Since other people listen to us, apparently, other than in Texas, I wanted to cover just the upcoming May primaries. That's Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kentucky, Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. You all have primaries coming up in May, so do your job, participate, vote, support people who will support us. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, one of the big debates that I think going on across the country, but generally just with the people that do lots of political stuff is, should we only support GLBT individuals or should should we support people who will support GLBT individuals? Seriously, (laughs) fuck that. (laughs) Fuck that. So I know some terrible LGBT people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to support someone just because they're part of my tribe. No. And there are a lot of people that argue that, oh, we should support them just because they identify no. as and fill no. in the blank. No, it doesn't no, matter no, what it is. No, 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 And no, it's no. sort of like, you know, there's really good people and really bad people in any category you want to make. Exactly. Exactly. No, if their politics are good, I don't care what you identify as, what your background is. I don't care. If your politics are good, your politics are good. And that's what matters whenever it comes to putting skin in the game. Whenever the rubber meets the road, we're going to have to rely on your ability to get things done. And that's what we need. So those are the types of people we need to support into office. And if they won't take our phone calls and won't take our office visits, <laughs> they're probably not someone we want to vote exactly. for. Yeah. And usually by the time you show up and start asking questions for the trans community, they've already <laughs> been watching you. <laughs> the yeah. trans community is already watching you. you know? Pretty much. And being very critical, I might add. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pick apart any little thing you say. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, but that's not only for us. That's for any community, you know. 
Um, but if you're coming to interview with us and you show up and you're like, that's sure, Rans? Is that transmission community? Is it PQIT or is it, is it LRS? What? Like, you have, what? You know, they, they, there you were have to some, at least know some of the letters. I don't, some you have to know all the letters. You have to know some of the yeah, letters. There were some people in yeah. our screen. You get a majority. We, yeah. we pointed out that, you know, <laughs> the fact that we're the GLBT uh-huh. group. Mm-hmm. Should be a hint for you. Hey, so I gotta ask you something. So I've noticed online more than a few people have noticed that you say the GLBT political caucus because that was who you you guys were. Um, No, actually, we were the G political caucus. Excuse me, I've like, got a, like a to, gay to person cough. stuck in my throat. And, and, and it wasn't a G, it was the gay You're political welcome. caucus first. And then yeah. it was the gay and lesbian political right. caucus. Uh. And then it went to GL, because once you throw the B in, you know, it gets really long when you say gay, lesbian, bisexual. And then when the T's added to the end, that would just make it ridiculous. I love how at one point it's like, okay, now this is off-putting. So, I can't possibly make one more space for another letter. Well, Which was, is like a whole demographic of people. There, there are discussions in that particular group about adding more letters mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it's not supported heavily to add more letters mainly because people are tired of just keeping adding letters but here's my question for people in general do you remember when we changed from gl and glb to lg well that was a west coast east coast thing that bled over into like like seriously like here i remember people starting to pick up on lgbt stuff here in Houston, maybe about a decade ago. Before then, here in Houston, everything in Houston was GLBT. Because in the 60s, it was all gay, lesbian. Mm-hmm. It was first, well, first just, it was it was gay. just gay for a long time, but then the lesbians said, oh, we want to be different. It's like, okay, whatever. So then it was gay, lesbian. Uh-huh. And then, but there was <laughs> a time, lesbians. and I remember it really well. <laughs> the main argument for putting the L first was that, well, women always come before men. And I thought that was just like way off base given what we were doing it for. Equality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so when we add the T, this gets really complicated. So and we, then where yeah. do you want to put the T? Because I've seen it. We can put it in the middle, T, or we can put it first or last. LGBT and T. I've seen TBLT. Or TBLG. We're sounding like a dance sandwich. We are. And then, I mean, there's cutie pops. I personally would go for, you know, TLBG. And it's because the first three I identify with. So they obviously are the important ones. So, um, okay, so we've covered the primaries, we've trashed our own community, thank you for supporting (laughs) us. So uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, to remind you of a couple of things that you need to keep in mind, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Spectrum South and the, what is it, what was it? It was our first ever V-Defem. V-Defem. V-Defem, which is Fem Life. All right, so we'll be right back. If you're trans, intersex, or genderqueer, and are a victim of a disaster, we can help with our Trans Disaster Relief Fund. And if you're going to college, university, or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Located in Houston, Texas, we hold weekly support group meetings and run the only community-owned transgender archive that's open to the public. Also, please keep in mind that our 2018 Houston Transgender Unity Banquet will be held Saturday, September 15, 2018. If you'd like to learn more about any of this, just go to transadvocate.com. 
Okay, so hey, we're back, and uh, so V de Femme. So this was a French uh, thing that y'all were doing. It was actually not a French event. We needed to come up with just a fun name for it. It was oh. a, and we we've uh, landed on V de Femme because it ah. just means femme life or, or woman, yes. woman life. But as we know within the queer community, that uh, femme identity doesn't just look like cis women right. or um, just women in general. So um, the, AV, the evening was held in late March. It was March 29th. Um, and we held it in East Downtown. Mm-hmm. And it was a celebration of femme identity across the spectrum. So we decided to do this event because um, femme identity within the queer community, within mainstream culture, but actually within the queer community too, is often shamed. It's not really given a space. And that can boil down to misogyny or um, and can look like different things to different identities within the queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this at the event, like for femme lesbians that can look like invisibility, um, not being uh, really visible within their own community. For um, trans women, that can mean their lives. I mean, by being visibly femme or feminine, that can mean that they're at risk for uh, violence against mm-hmm. them. And that's something that we really wanted to bring Mm -hmm. out and bring awareness to at the event. Um, And then even for something people don't think about is like femme men, um, Mm -hmm. femme gay men, that can translate into like the no fats, no femmes culture that Mm -hmm. is very prevalent. Okay. Can you pause right there? I've heard of the no fats and I've sort of heard the no femmes, but Mm -hmm. I've not heard that as a coherent like thing in the community. Can you talk about what the relationship is between that anti um femme anti fat you know what that is and how that affects community and why therefore it was important to include men gay men absolutely in in this femme event yes so um that's i'm speaking as a lesbian but within the um gay male community on especially on dating apps as we've seen the rise of dating Mm -hmm. apps um you have to make a profile and within that profile um, that you see a lot of this pairing of no fats, no femmes. So that we can break that down into um, the lack of body positivity within the gay male community. There's a lot of obviously physical ideal of that that gym body, the the ripped mm-hmm. gym body. In the gay community, no, no, <laughs> never, possibly be, never. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's one aspect of it. But then no femmes is people um, more feminine men. You want this whole mask for mask. Uh, masculinity is the ideal. So this idea of like okay, so there's anti. So you said it was like situated around body positivity, right? That that was in response to so how is body the concept of body positivity tied to anti-sexism well i think you can look at it from both well first of all we're assuming that there's only two genders here and we know that that is Uh not true but within the the male community again we see that whole um like ideal male ripped body Mm -hmm. um but on a female side females are supposed to look one way too they're supposed to and that's changed throughout history as we've seen we've seen the the marilyn monroe more curvy um sex ideal and now then we went through the 90s when it was thin you know thin Mm -hmm. kind of grunge chic was Mm -hmm. what the ideal woman looked like 
Um, but people who fit within, without, I'm sorry, outside of that space, um, get, are shamed for it. But I think that you have to look at how, um, presentation ties in with identity. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, one of the big things is that the okay group, you almost have to give them the page on which edition of a fashion magazine you match. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. And, and we exactly. all know that they start out being the very weird, small, tiny percentage of human beings, and then we Photoshop the heck out of them. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and, you know, and, and it's sort of like there's this ideal that's there that uh-huh. almost no one fits, but you get sort of beat up, especially by some of the younger people in the various mm-hmm. communities. Uh, after you've been around for a while, it seems like people figure out that, yeah, you may have been perfect, you know, 10 years ago, but time, time doesn't sleep. Right. And I still like you, so, oh, guys, now what? Or I don't like you because of that, and I feel bad. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. And, and I, I think it's, you know, just like everything else. Uh, if you're going just on looks, then that doesn't work terribly well really long term. Okay. Right. Although there are times that I have to say that somebody's looks might be attractive. So <laughs> in, in essence, I think what you're saying is there's a practice of objectification that yes. happens within the queer community. And that can result in because people who fall outside of the ideal body type and, and oftentimes the ideal body type has to fit into a gender binary, um, a sex binary. Therefore, that uh, translates into inter and intra community oppression. And yes. that this was a space to be able to dissect that, to look at it, and to celebrate difference. Is that correct? Absolutely. You said that perfectly. <laughs> so, so what kind of things did you have, like presentations? I, I had to miss it. You, you know the reason, but I plan to be there. So what did you do? Yes. So we had a series of um, performances spread out throughout the evening. It was hosted by Kuma. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had... A, diff, a variety of different types of performances and a variety of femme performers. Oh, cool. So, so did you record it or anything? Yes, we did. Oh, fantastic. Yes, we did. So, um, so are we going to play a clip? Mm-hmm. Oh, a clip. So what? what is this clip? Go ahead and set, set it up. Set it up for us. So, and it was one of the middle performances of the evening, um, and it was Dee Dee Waters and Monica Roberts, who mm. are both cool. prominent trans women of color within the Houston area. And they did an incredible spoken word piece mm. that um, they lit candles and read the names of all of the trans women who were lost this year to trans violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dee Dee presented a very powerful uh, spoken word piece on her identity and how her reality as a trans woman and a trans woman of color differs from maybe others who are sharing the space with us that evening. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go into that right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Here we go. So I was called here to be able to speak to you all to kind of give you just a little bit about me and what I believe that film is, right? So coming from me, it looks a little bit different than the eyes of what you can see because you're on the outside looking in and I'm on the inside looking out. So therefore, my reality is just my reality to you is something that may be a misbelief or a disbelief, just depending on who it is. So... The difference between me and you is that when you walk out of your door, your thoughts, your mindset, your pleasures, your things that excite you, the things that scare you, the things that humiliate you, the things that make you wonder, that you think about are things that I may not even know of because I have not even been able to think that way yet. See, sometimes it's a privilege just to be able to walk out of your door and not even worry about whether or not someone's going to shoot you simply because of the color of your skin first. 
And then you backtrack and you think about something and you look at something else because I may not only be shot because of the color of my skin, but because of the gender of which I identify as. See, there's a reality that is for me, that each and every time I make it back through my front door and I'm able to go inside of my bedroom and close my eyes to go to sleep and lay me down to sleep, huh, at least I wasn't laid to rest. If that's a reality for me, it may not be for you, but it's one for me. See, my trans body and my trans being is always on the line. See, you're worried about your destiny and making it to your finish line. I'm only concerned about tomorrow because it's the main thing that's not promised to me. See, for some of you all, you all have the reality of having a job, a career, something that you can look forward to on tomorrow. But for me, sometimes I have to look at what it is that I can get on today. Because whenever they come in and knock on that door at 11 o'clock, they'll let me know that it's checkout time, not that it's check-in time. See, you have to keep in mind that in some cases, See, in some cases, the things that you look at and the things that you see, the, the little things, just the minute things, the fact that you have a job that pays you something around about, what, maybe thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, when your average trans person is making less than $10,000 a year. See, some of you all have went to school so that way you can better your education, so you can further your education, so you can better your future. <laughs> in reality, many of the trans women and trans men that I know don't have that opportunity because many of us transition at an early age. And we experience the discrimination. We experience the hate. We experience the hurt. We experience the homelessness. See, in reality, many of us are turned away from shelters when you can be accepted into one. So see, whenever we sit there and we wake up in the mornings and we get ready to walk outside of our doors, think about something just a little bit differently. It may seem simple and easy to you, but it's not simple and easy for us. So see, whenever we get that knock at the door, we get nervous. See, some of you all are excited because you wonder who it is that came to visit you. See, you go to your door and you get ready to open the door and some of you don't even say, who is it? So for me, it's a little different because I can walk to my door and as I'm walking to my door, I can holler out, who is it? And as I walk to my door and I get ready to open it, it can be a little bit different than what you get. Because I could have been shot just that easily. See, what you have to realize is the things that you don't think about are the things that I have to worry about because this is my reality. So, to you, whenever I get ready to def define my de definition of film, it's a little bit scary. But in reality, I was built for this. See, what I have to come to you and let you know is that many of you are built for certain things, but I was built for this. So, let's talk about me for just a moment. See, whenever I wake up in the morning, I realize that I was paralyzed at one point in time so I can walk better in heels. That was the reason being there. So, therefore, I was built for this. Whenever I was told that I didn't, I was not going to be allowed into the shelter because I was trans, <laughs> I was built for this. I slept underneath the, underneath the bridge, underneath the bus stop, just so that I could realize that as I asked for change, and I asked people to be able to help me, and I slept with that man so that I could be able to pay for my room, and I still got put out because I didn't have enough, <laughs> I realized that whenever I got a place to stay, that it was the most important thing to have because if I got put out again, I'd never see it again, right? See, some of you all look at things and just don't understand that what's reality. I got a job at Jack in the Box. See, you laughed at me because I was flipping burgers and making french fries, but in reality, I was making sure that I didn't have to go and sleep with the possibility of who may be your husband, or who may be your husband, or who may be your wife. See, the reality for me is just a little bit different. So when you wake up in the morning and you get ready to put your pants on or you put your dress on, whenever you put your shoes on, whether or not they're heels or flats, I want you to understand that your walking life is different from mine, but my reality is different from yours because my reality is, is that there were seven trans women that have been murdered this year alone. That is my reality. So when I define my feminization, my femininity, 
<laughs> I define it with one that says a little bit of fear, but the fear is the thing that makes it worth it for me because the fear is what tells me that I can still get up and I can move on. See, I believe in someone that was called God that had Jesus and Jesus hung, bled, and died, and I believe that that was for me. So when someone tells me that I'm an abomination, I remind them that I'm still here on today because someone cared enough for me. And that someone didn't have to be you because it was someone that looked up above me, and therefore I'm here today. See, my reality is just a little bit different than yours. And that's all that I'm here to say. So guess what? When you think about your reality, don't forget about mine because mine is true. Yours is too. But the reality is, is that my reality is different from yours. I'm trans and this is me. Who are you? What's your reality? <laughs>
And this this it's like that's crew to clean my hands. <laughs> drives by in this car and they stop. Like they stop their car and I kind of give them the side eye and they're like, Can we take your picture? I'm like Weird. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they already have like their professional camera clicking what? away. I've never seen a biker in my like, life. What? Wow, you know, it's great to see butch lesbians out here. I'm like, oh, okay. they think, they, oh, oh, they think you're a duck so nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what happens when you're in the gay community, though. Like, they're like, oh, you like refluttered their little heart. Like, oh, they're still here. In Houston, we don't get to have bikes on bikes because our poor little bikes would overheat in the Pride Parade. Yeah, it's true. Do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But you started a trans uh, biking group. Oh, yes, there's the trans probably, biking uh, group. That they're probably unaware of. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I can't help but wonder what they would be doing if Monique had been with you in her pink leathers. <laughs> Well, they would have been, get, they they would've would've been getting a date. Whatever I guess they would have ruined the idea, had. you know, because they probably wouldn't they would have been getting a butch, date. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, that goes to speak yeah. of this ideal that mm-hmm. people have about what a lesbian is supposed to look like, yeah. and mm-hmm. and what is a gay man yeah. supposed to look like? What is the ideal? What is mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. So, so that so you know, oddly enough, you know, when I knew what our topic was, I spent all night researching it and looking at it. Of course, I was just looking at fashion. That's the only thing. For about how long were you looking at fashion? It turns out that if you Google Femme Fashion, there's a company named that that has very suggestive clothing. (laughs) Well, actually, that's that's a question. How did, like, sexual clothing situate, how is that, you know, because a lot of times the critique with lesbian, um, you know, how you present as a lesbian is... Like, whose eye are you performing for? Are you performing for the straight man? Are you, you know, are are you, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that that was my whole thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so there's got to be a look because everyone has their look, if you will, or their their stereotypical look. And the only Mm -hmm. thing I really came up with was that apparently Jeffrey Campbell boots are thought well of. And there's several oh. other things, but that was the biggie. It, it seemed to be in everybody's list of what Good you needed to, to do. And you got like, in with interesting. everyone. I, I have quite a few pair. Uh, but <laughs> so how well, how said. how was that uh, you know dealt with or inter- right. interfaced with during the night? And can you talk about the the turnout and you know the general vibe of the crowd and how Absolutely. things went? Yeah, so we had about 125 people who came. Oh, that's so pretty good. It, yeah, it was a good crowd, especially with. Um, you know, with a femme event like this, with people who may have not explored femme identity before or are very knowledgeable of it, we worried about them thinking the event maybe wasn't for them. Mm. We had um, a couple people say, well, I hope you have a butch event soon. And the thing was, we weren't excluding butches. We love butches. We love all uh, identities. But this, we specifically were honing in on femme identity for this event to look, do kind of like this fun analysis of of what femme identity looked like all in one space Mm. um as robin said like sometimes and this is personal for me as as a femme lesbian um is this concept of invisibility Mm -hmm. um because i am one of those lesbians that if i go into a lesbian space people think i'm the straight friend that where where's my gbf my gay best friend that's brought me here Right. right um even though 
inside I feel very radically queer I'm a big part of the the queer community I want to be involved but physically I'm very you just always look like everyone's friend I look like everyone's friend yeah. and and this is how I feel most comfortable it's also mm-hmm. not a performance of I really want to look this way mm-hmm. but I you know society tells me I need to look more feminine no like this is how I truly feel can, comfortable okay, can I pause you right there and yes. just ask you so uh, analysis, critical analysis, uh, is is kind of part of queer identity, and that arises from fem- feminist analysis and all of this stuff. And you know, we we for our time we went one way where everyone was wearing overalls and you know no bras and everything, um, and then we figured out you know you know that that is like a performance also. And right. that is a, an ex- exclamation of membership and an identity. But so is, you know, you, the way you wear your hair, the, the jewelry that you wear, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all in that way the same. So how, you know, it's, how do you interface with that tradition of analysis and like critically looking at what your hair looks like. What do you wear? Perfume, or do you wear like oils, essential oils, or do you? And what does that mean? <laughs> yes, and what yeah. does that mean? And do you have uh, a hanky? Right. And do you have uh, what kind of? Do you wear a leather strap around your? Le- no, mm. you don't. You wear something, you know, a little like more. Like a little bolt. Yeah. 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 What, what? So all of this is communicating things about yourself, mm-hmm. and traditionally. If someone like yourself, you're, you're not flagging membership in this ideological construct. Right. And in that way, it's almost a queering of that queerness. I actually wrote when, when Spectrum South first launched, I mm-hmm. wrote a personal narrative that talked about this exact concept. Cause really? I said, I often think femmes who present traditionally feminine are the queerest of the queer because yeah. to quote garbage if anybody loves <laughs> yeah. garbage um, angry 90s music angry 90s oh, female <laughs> music yeah. is the best um but i think we are the queerest of the queer mm-hmm. because exactly what you said we're cha- we're taking um something that is traditionally like a very straight and ideal and and feminine um and making it the opposite but still sticking like still sticking to that still saying I can wear um I still can wear a dress and I can wear heels and I can go out with lipstick on or or some days not lipstick depending on how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. um but I'm not there for the male gaze is the thing I may receive that but I'm not entertaining that that's Mm -hmm. not what I want you know I've always found it interesting when as you said, you know, male gays are attracted to what I would consider films, which is what you just described. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of like, but you say that's not what you want. Where does it? Where, where does that come up? You know, with with that. And I mean, I see that a lot. That, right. That they're like all of a sudden attracted attracted to somebody that two minutes ago they weren't the least bit interested in anyone like that. And it, it just seems to cross over. And, and there's that sort of stuff with all of the various gender and sexuality mixes that we all do, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. which I, I just find interesting. It's like, wait, you just said you never, ever wanted. So <laughs> one of the things that like intersects in this conversation about 
femininity and femme identity within the queer community is there is no space, there is no like period of time to just, you know, if you're femme, have that not be a political act. I mean, right. my God, you have to put on an event to create a space so you can, you don't have to be on guard about being femme. I mean, that says something kind of fucked up about queer mm -hmm. politics. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and they, okay, they but, also educated a lot. Like, they used the pieces. It was very well curated to put in those talking points so mm -hmm. that way it could be furthering for our community because, and, and I appreciate that they didn't leave behind um, fats because we all deal with that. There was a beautiful piece on, a, on a, a lady that said, like, I fought for my health and I look the way I do because I lived. Like, and don't come to me because I look like what you would say overweight looks like or mm -hmm. that I need to go on another diet or whatnot. Like, I'm no less of a human being in this space than anyone else, you know? I'm dateable, I'm fuckable, I'm attractive, I'm alive, I'm thriving, so this is this is me, this is my body, and I'm, I'm saying what I was left with. I don't remember the exact right. quotes, but I just thought that that was great because we also deal with... Uh, health you know mm -hmm. and we don't deal with health in our community you know um when we especially when we're talking about attraction there's a lot that just goes out the window about mm -hmm. what it takes to have your daily life met and it ties you know? into ability, oh, i'm ability, sorry we have to stop this conversation trans people are not allowed to have this conversation because <laughs> right. if you do you're like seriously um then it's the so-called cotton stealing concept which was actually a conspiracy on the part of planned parenthood to teach trans women to rape lesbians now can i, I make sure that we put some comments in here that this is <laughs> Not true. This yes. is, not this is true. sarcasm. Because a yes. lot of people don't and, understand Christian's sarcasm tone. Like you may not catch yes, it. Yes, you may not catch Christian's sarcasm Google tone. it and you will go, holy fucking shit, these but people are But it's important to not nuts. be duped by the, the alt-right. Oh, exactly. Yes. And the Christians well, and then it's the turfs yes. and that with our... Mm -hmm. Yes. But, but you know, one, one of the big things that I... You know, having been around uh -huh. this community, whatever it is, if you call it, it's more like a family. You don't have a choice. You're just sort of <laughs> in the middle, yeah. you know, and you have to deal yeah. with what you get. Right. You don't get to say, I like you, but, well, right. no, you get to go out. No, you don't get <laughs> but that. But it is kind of like a family. There. Like, this one's the good one, and this one's the... Well, but, black sheep. But you like, still have what? to deal with them because like, yeah. you're going to be tarred and feathered to be a better family. <laughs> but one yeah. of the big things that I've noticed is that, you know, A, people first have to sort of back away from all the stuff they've been pretending to be because you've spent a lot of your life, depending on how old you are, mm -hmm. pretending to be something you aren't normally. Right, I mean, right. And so once you figure out who you are, if you start being who you are, it usually goes pretty well and people accept you. It's, it's the confusing, like, okay, you're giving this signal, but that's not what I'm reading otherwise, and, and those sorts of things that, that, that get to be strange and different and interesting. And a lot of people end up what I would consider the sort of GLBT version of androgynous, and that is you're sort of in mm -hmm. between. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and, and that's okay, but then, you know, people are like, well, so which are you? Because I can't tell. Are you supposed to be this uh, or that? Yes. And, and, you know, my thing is, well... That's me. <laughs> but know, like, that, that point right there actually intersects to what you were discussing because, right. you know, it's like, uh, you know, are you this or are you that? Are you one binary or the other? I mean, you know, you, you can only be femme or you can be butch, you know, and you, it should be butch. It should be butch women. It should be butch men. That's what's privileged in the queer community. 
you know. <laughs> so, right. I mean, that's not exactly what's employable in the South, though. So, like, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of things that go into it. You well, may dress for how you desire yourself to be or who you want to desire you, but there's also, like, politics involved. I mean, and, and also everybody wears uniforms. Right. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Sometime or other, yeah, everybody wears a drag, uniform. But, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, the fact is, when you go to work, Mm-hmm. You dress the way that you can make money. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Of course. For, for Everyone years when I'm does consulting. That. I yes. dress the way for that particular client yeah. that they will pay me the most. I call that yes. my work. And I really, sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. And I don't care because it, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other with that. It's mm-hmm. like, yep, you know, this is what they're comfortable with. That means they will be willing to pay me a lot more money. So there we go. So in this like yes, queer, yes, that sort of makes me, you know viable i am okay so you know like julius rano did a lot of uh talking and writing and uh doing performance pieces around this very notion of the queerest of the queer uh you know that feminist just noticing feminist is devalued in our culture our queer culture and that there's something about that that seems a bit sexist and wrong a bit absolutely a bit. <laughs> and just like a little smidge. one thousand percent like really over small. the top it's yeah. like most of the other things like that so um okay so you had this space you did this work um how is spectrum south other than this i mean how are you going to um are are you is this like part of some effort that you're trying to spread awareness about or start a community-wide discussion or right mm. so in general spectrum south does a lot of identity work um a lot of our content is specifically around identity and dissecting identities intersecting identities um just at a deeper level than we may be having day to day or that you Mm -hmm. may see in traditional lgbtq media Um, Because it's less of, well, in my opinion, identity is always timely, but it's it's less um, hard news and things like that. And taking the time to create a digital space within our content to have these conversations about identity. Femme identity is only one of those identities. Mm -hmm. Um, We had this event in Women's History Month. And so that's why it was specifically around femme identity, because it was a queer twist on that. Um, And again, taking taking femme away from just women and cis women and giving it to the entire community gave that queer queer twist to Women's History Month. Um, but in general, we want to have more of these conversations both within our content and with future events that we hope to have um, on different facets of identity. So there is there are some um, points there's some points to be to the talking point that um, identity politics can be poisonous and uh, you know there's some truth around that um, I've certainly seen it um, at the same time it's you know this you know you did this event around this particular identity to talk about meanings and perceptions and how we work with those and how we interface and what those material realities are and do it in artistic ways and and uh in ways that uh, are meaningful um can you talk about how you moderate 
that whole, you know, so you did an entire event around identity. How do you moderate it? Well, hang on a minute. Yes. I mean, you're going a direction that I don't see and didn't see with what you plan right. and what I've well, heard exactly. Happen. And the direction you're going is what I consider the exclusionary identity politics. Well, those are the poison that's, ones. That's exactly right. Versus she, what I saw and what you've Megan's talked about so far. Well, exactly. Of, a, of, of terribly inclusive identity identity I, politics. Exactly. Which, to me, you sort of do that and you let it sit there. Well, so for instance, you she she mentioned it. that uh, someone was like, "Well, so when are you going to have a dyke, you know, event? Right. Why why only a fem event? Mm -hmm. How do you in engage? Because that is identity politics. That you got that feedback. That well, I feel excluded. Whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. How how did you manage that? And so that's that's what I was talking about of of fem identity when we're not having these discussions outside of that space uh -huh. or beforehand, um, that's when people feel excluded, excluded because femme identity, again, doesn't just look like me. It doesn't just look like the performers that we had mm -hmm. for that evening. All of us have a, some of these we're aspects the of us. Yes, we're on the uh, spectrum. Uh -huh. And even butch women can have femme aspects to them. Yeah, sure. They don't have to identify that way. You right. know, like, if there's always in these, like costumes that we wear in our community whether it's bush or whatever there is a spectrum and if you are caught up in well i'm going to look butch but then i need to work on looking more butch and i need to work on you know are, are you butch enough <laughs> yeah. what kind of yeah. butch yeah, are exactly. you are you the right kind of yeah. butch yeah, exactly that's actually a large conversation and, and are you really community. ready to shave all that hair and color it pink well, <laughs> yeah yeah there, there's a large conversation about that in the butch community but i mean whether it's butch or femme or you know, I mean, there's so many shades along the spectrum. But it feels like that, that what you did was a uh -huh. bit of an intervention on that, what I consider to be really unhealthy behavior of not not being who you are, not being true to yourself, but being true to some fucked up ideal of realness or standard of realness that identifies you as a real X or a real mm -hmm. Y. And I think a good example of that was our first performer was a burlesque um, dancer. Mm -hmm. And she is, if we're thinking stereotypical femme, she was absolutely not a stereotypical femme. She had shaved head uh, with like a, mo a short mohawk, um, was like a curvier body, a curvier body mm -hmm. and did this phenomenal, fun performance. Mm -hmm. It was more like neo-burlesque, not traditional burlesque. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I had, talking about conversations within conversations, I had a similar conversation about the male gaze and who is this for with, with somebody who attended um, beforehand. So before the event, they were worried like you're, I don't think they understood the concept of burlesque either, but they were worried we were essentially having like a, a stripper, which no, no shame to strippers either, but having right. a stripper come to our event and we're saying, well, that's traditionally for like a straight male gaze. Why are you having that mm -hmm. in your queer mm -hmm. space? And so we had to dissect not only who this performer was and their identity, mm -hmm. but who was going to be in attendance and enjoying this art. And so... It's not going, it was not your straight male mm -hmm. audience there, but people who appreciate the art and no one was 
like I think they just had this idea of somebody just th- straight men throwing wands at this. Right, <laughs> right, right. And right. I, was like, that, I was like, that's not what's happening. But, yeah, but, like, but what are there's, you talking about? There's a large argument in the burlesque community. There's a thin line between some some performers, like they dance that line. Sometimes it's for occupation, and sometimes it's because of their art, whether they are a stripper or whether they're a burlesque artist. Mm-hmm. And then some people go over into the neo burlesque and <laughs> do and, their own kind of thing. But, you know, but in the nineteen. 19- 20s mm-hmm. if you went to a burlesque show you got both mm-hmm. right. well, you also yeah. you also got comedians yeah. mm-hmm. i really yeah. wish burlesque would put the comedians mm-hmm. back in because right. frequently they were better than the performers <laughs> yeah. but that's just some my variety opinion. shows some variety shows still have them but yeah it's yeah. But, few but, and far know, between and, and i think one of the big things that's so funny is everyone tries to silo every little tiny uh-huh. thing uh-huh. and welcome to the world it's that, not siloed that again that's that kind of poisonous but, aspect of identity politics where everything is siloed everything's separate when the reality is we don't live siloed lives we don't live those you know well, that's they, not the truth there are community there are places where various communities do live terribly siloed lives in their community Ugh. Mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> I've been there it, it's yeah. sort of like well what do you mean we can't go get coffee afterwards well i mean if if that empowers them then great but i think people are really hungry for some diversity and some deliciousness and i mean leave it to the queers to just be like aha i see all your little walls and we're keep getting sort of flashbacks to a certain dinner that three of us were at with right. Kate Bornstein. Yep. Yep. <laughs> when it was like, she was totally amazed. She's like, wait a minute, I was going to be screaming at you all to do this sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Wow, uh-huh. I'm glad uh-huh. we had this Houston dinner. stereotype. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and she confirmed that that's the way it is in New York. Right. And, oh, and it's sort God. of like, oh, well, you don't need to catch up. Yeah, she said she hadn't been at very many tables that were diverse like it would be just trans women or just uh academics or just uh you know her king community and and so she hadn't really been at a, a table where they had all been mixed and were wore multiple labels if you will and, and friends also yeah. and friends that was yes. the other thing and, and, and trust me we weren't anything you could put a label on in that evening <laughs> it no. was like exactly <laughs> You know, uh, again, to... I just uh, that's one of the things yeah. that I love about the but unity bank. Really but you've got, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you've got all all those stereotypes fall away at the unity banquet because right, you yes. have everyone mixing with all these politicians, Republican and Democrat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you yeah. you're really powerful Texas Republicans sitting at a table with a bunch of fucking queers, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I mean that fucking it, queers. Yes, there were yes. trans yeah. people there who Absolutely. don't identify as queer. That would be me Uh (laughs) that's the only thing i don't identify as i think yeah there there are plenty that would identify as the fucking queers yeah yeah Yeah. exactly so and and you know and the funniest part is we all had a good time yeah exactly exactly and and, you know i I think if i look at politics and because of all the stuff that's been going on we've had a really close look at politics recently (laughs) there is one thing and that is you know it's my statement it's also what you were mentioning earlier megan about dd etc and that is there are politicians who essentially want to kill us yes and there are a lot of people out there who essentially want to kill us for who we are Mm -hmm. okay those people are not okay with me Mm -hmm. other than that everything's discussable yes Right. right And, you know, but it's sort of like I draw the line. I won't even consider you or talk to you if you actually want to kill me. <laughs> we, we have to get over that before we can have a discussion. Because if you think I don't the world you, is better without people like me in it, then that's a problem. Exactly. <laughs> and, and there are people that feel that way. And 
And it's funny because a lot of people who look at politics and a lot of people who are not in the whole GLBT, rest of the letter spectrum, have never thought about the fact that a politician might want to actually eliminate certain people. Mm -hmm. And when they start thinking about it and they look at what they've said and do, all of a sudden they don't like it either because they're like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. I I don't want people to be killed. I don't want people out there killing people because... That's not the norm, if you right. will. Right. And that was something that also was feedback from the event that we got. Yeah, I because wonder what people said afterwards. It was a really... We had a really nice mixed bag mm-hmm. of people there. The majority queer, mm-hmm. uh, some, you know, somewhere on the LGBTQI plus spectrum. Um, but we did have some, some straight femme women come mm-hmm. as well. And I think their eyes were the most opened. I think we opened a lot of people's eyes, but... A lot of straight women came to us afterwards and said they didn't know anything about the trans experience. And something like Dee Dee's powerful piece, right, right. I mean, they didn't even know trans violence was an issue. And mm-hmm. us being in, in the bubble that we are, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. But it's true. When you step outside of that, yeah. that may not be an issue that's even on your radar. Right. When I was observing the crowd after they had named, after uh, Monica and Dee Dee had lit candles and named the names, you could have heard a pin drop. You know, uh, because what was in the space was like fun and tenderness, but also here we are going to talk about a topic that there's still a lot of people that don't know a lot about trans issues and they care. They ob- The caring was obviously there. And so Monica and Didi were the access of, um, okay, well, here's where we're at and we're going to light some candles of, of the people lost and they were taken. And then here's what my reality looks like, even though your reality is valid please consider being an ally, like that sort of thing. And, and, um, and that yeah. was so, I was so glad that Dee Dee mm-hmm. did that. She actually came to me at the beginning of the event and said, I have two pieces prepared. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I have one piece that is kind of more party atmosphere related. And then I have the piece I actually want to do. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And do you have a preference? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I want you, we asked you here, knowing your work and knowing what you care about. And I want you to do the piece that mm-hmm. you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and she said, well, I just, I don't know if I want to make people cry. Right. And I said, <laughs> I don't, we're here for a reason. It, right. we, we cannot have mm-hmm. an event about identity and not talk about the reality right. of identity. Right. And she came off to the side and, and I thanked her for doing it. Cause I saw her do that piece of gender reel and people still talk to me about that one and how it changed their life about actually being knowledgeable of the, um, trans day of remembrance and and the the hate crimes and how to be an ally and then when she came off stage from the spectrum event she said you know i'm like i don't want to always be the downer you know and Mm -hmm. i said but these are the these are these are our closest allies these are our closest friends that care and they literally didn't know and if you don't share your experience then how are they ever going to know you know i think when we say that we're worried about people who want to kill us mm-hmm. an awful lot of people think we're just being dramatic mm-hmm. when we read right. the names and we point out that these are the people who have been killed mm-hmm. that gets the drama out of it it's reality right. now and, right right and you know i i believe most people have heard <clears throat> the comment that you know there are lots of people who are anti-trans that basically would like us gone and want to kill us or whatever mm-hmm. but until you find out that it's happening right it's a real problem yeah that that stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum no. you know right. there's mm-hmm. there's a process that someone goes through to arrive at okay it is fine to take this person's life yep. because 
they are X. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and a lot of times the people who feel that way have a very, very, very uh, widespread uh, access to media mm-hmm. and they're standing on a stage doing it and they're revving up a crowd. And mm-hmm. that is the scary part because though they probably would never actually do anything personally, you don't know who's in that crowd. Right. Yeah, you embolden the the hate and the actions to be taken. And what I can say about her piece, just from my observation um, of being around a lot of the the trans community, is that she didn't exaggerate it at all. What she highlighted was just an everyday experience that um, really doesn't have a lot of privilege involved. And um, I think that it's important for people to hear voices like that because most people get caught up in their everyday life for good or for bad, you know, and they're busy. They don't, where, where are they going to find that experience unless they really know, you know, a number of, uh, people that are going through that, they're never really going to hear about it. Right. And we didn't go into the event hoping or planning for it to be an educational event. Mm -hmm. We wanted it to be more of a celebration Mm -hmm. with purpose, Mm -hmm. um, past drinking and eating because we have a lot of those events in the community, um, but in entertaining in a meaningful way, the fact that it had an educational component to mm-hmm. it was just the cherry on top. Like that was a, that was a bonus for us. Right. And, but it's something to take with us into future events to know that you can incorporate mm-hmm. it in that way. That's still a fun environment where people feel safe, where people mm-hmm. can enjoy themselves, but also learn something and then hopefully take what they learn and actually turn it into something, take it out into the world. And a little bit of that was the money that we raised for Save Our Sisters, but even more so, like more meaningfully, what is more meaningful to us is the fact that they now have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And And we have a a large list of listeners, so who knows where they're going to take that. And just the thought of like, even if you add one component where people can have a takeaway and do something with it in their life beyond just the drinking and the socializing, which is healthy to some extent and not healthy to others, like they can go ahead and implement that in their community. What do you foresee Spectrum South's future events being like now? So the way that we have planned events thus far has been around our editorial calendar. Every month we have certain themes that we um, kind of focus, I would say, the majority of our content around. Um, So hopefully we're planning to have an event at least in July. it may not be quite as identity focused in this way, but um, we do film in July and we're really hoping to have more of kind of an identity exploration on film Mm -hmm. um, around that. And then probably another event later in the year, we may try to slip something in in June in Pride, but as we all know, Pride is a very busy month with a lot of competition. So, but it is every night. Yeah. Yeah. But it it is our one year anniversary um, Uh, in June. So we may want to do something special for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I thank you for sharing uh, everything about your event and taking pointed questions about the difficult topic of identity. And, you know, um, I, I think, man, it seems like, Identity is the central theme for all queerness that we have to tackle. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, sometimes I can tell you, for me, there it, it, it gets tiresome sometimes. 
there's a fatigue identity fatigue maybe i'm i yeah. coined that i'm yeah. i'm branding that identity, <laughs> yeah, fatigue. identity fatigue and um you know but i i really appreciate events like this that are open that aren't closed that aren't exclusionary that explore the aspects of x in all of us in all of our community um i you know our community needs so much more of that because it's so difficult to have these difficult conversations in these siloed platforms so that i can only talk about this in this way and it has to look like x i love events that are open and accessible and celebrate you know that theme within all of us as you are that's beautiful and i think our community especially the queer community needs so much more of that so thank you for doing that absolutely we ho- we really hope to have more and you can keep up with us on um, facebook if you just go to facebook.com slash spectrum south mm-hmm. that's where we list all of our events so the upcoming july event will be on there as well future events and then okay. you can find the what would you say online magazine yes and read that from afar if you can't attend any events in houston right at yeah. spectrumsouth.com Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, We can help you with that at our site. Register and vote, no matter what. The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America.